amygdala, hippocampus, parietal lobe, prefrontal cortex, MRI, fMRI, PET, DMRI. Hello, and welcome to PB with Jays. I got it this time. I'm not laughing, and the audience will never know how many times we practiced that intro. So with that, welcome. We're recording on an off night today. Um, I don't remember why, but I remember there were a lot of things going on on our normal recording night, so we shifted it today. So anyway, hey everybody. We hope you're all doing well. It's been a, we skipped a week, so it's been like two weeks now. Yeah. Sounds right. But yeah, so how have you been doing, my friend? Tell our, tell our listeners some life updates, including the fact that your birthday has occurred very recently. My birthday occurred very recently, so now <laughs> I'm older. We're the same age now. Is that, is that all? Is that all you would like? Is that good? Is that sufficient? Well, I mean... How? What else has been going on? How have you been? Um, and if that's all that that's been going on, then that's that's okay with me. So I always feel weird because you already know, but I do generally know this is true. I met I met some cool people that play music, and then I listened to them play music. Uh, I ate fancy food that I didn't really know what it was. Yes, you did. I explained it all to you. Well, when they. It took two explanations to make it. <laughs> oh man, it was good though. Uh yeah, I uh, I've been studying for a class I hate, and uh, I think that's the update. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds about right. Do you have any updates? No man, I don't think so. I um, finalized graduation announcements today. And it was kind of fun to put it together. It was neat to think of people to whom I would want to share a little bit about my experience and life and just say, hey, I was thinking of you and thanks for your support. And if you happen to be in New Orleans on May 19th, let's hang out. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that was fun today. Also talked to my grandmother today. That was really great. She's doing really well. Uh, along with that conversation, confirmed that we have a place to stay for the half Iron Man, so that's exciting. Is that the one at the beach? That's the one at the beach. Or the other one at the beach? That's, yeah, at Panama City Beach. Cool. Yeah. I'm going. And we're also going to Pensacola Beach this weekend for another triathlon. But anyway, so that's, that's a pretty good update probably for for all our listeners out there but yeah we might have real listeners that's a that's a thing we discovered tonight yeah yeah we got an email from someone who i don't i don't know that either of us know directly but we might know them indirectly perhaps but in any case, we got a really cool email. <laughs> let's let's hope we don't know it was her directly. Really encouraging. That would be really. Uh... That'd be embarrassing. <laughs> That'd be profoundly embarrassing. But I'll own up to it if that's the case. I'm I'm actually so 
This is a this is a tangent. We're going off the rails already. Well, that's good because I don't have a clue. What I'm talking about. <laughs> um, the tangent is this: that I very frequently know people's first names when someone's like, "Oh, you know Bob Jones," and I'll be like, "I don't know, maybe I know a guy named Bob, but I have no idea what his last name is." That happens way more frequently than it should. Or they'll be like, "You know Bob Jones," and they'll be like. I'm not really sure, and then they'll show me a picture, and be like, oh yeah, I know Bob. So, if we know you directly, I uh, I apologize in advance, and hope that it's one of those two cases. Uh, and if we don't, that's super cool. And in either case, it was a really nice email, and um, I don't necessarily want to share names and all that sort of stuff, because I'm waiting to hear back to if we can share it on the podcast. But in any case, it was really cool. To hear someone say that they appreciated what we were doing. Yeah, it is. It is really neat to get some feedback, even though I don't get it because you won't let me on the email. I thought you were on the email. No, <laughs> I didn't know that. We can we can change that. That's pretty easy to change. Uh, anyway, we've been way off the rails on this one. So Jacob, why don't you introduce our actual scientific topic to us now that we're five minutes deep and have accomplished nothing Uh, but we've had some fun so maybe that's accomplishing something yeah i'd say so (laughs) yeah it's fun uh let's see today is session 27 that's so many by the way that's crazy that's true if you're curious what that is in roman numerals it is xxvii i don't think that's much of a novelty (laughs) it's for me Anyway, continue. And today we're talking about the triple network model, which basically I'm an expert on. And you probably, yeah, I'm putting that at the intro. Beginning? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to start strong for our random snippet intros. People have enjoyed those thoroughly. I have. The outro and intro that are just random outtakes and junk recordings, basically. Yeah, I got Yeah, two texts from people telling me it's Toby <laughs> Keith. That's hilarious. Did my mom text you? She texted both of us. Cuz she texted me. She's like, "It's Toby Keith." Yeah. I loved that song. That's so funny. But yeah, so triple network model. I guess let's start with this. What do you think that means? Um, so it's probably... You got some keyword clues there going on. Alright, so what is a network? It's like a TV show type thing, right? Okay. Yeah, network television. My mind went to LinkedIn, but that works too. And you have... Back in the old days, you probably only had three channels. <laughs> um, and you had... And you probably drove a Model T. So that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Now I have a picture of, of Henry Ford sitting in front of a television at a drive through theater, except the theater is so old that it's just a singular television that has three networks. But you didn't ever say what the TV series was. You just said it was a network. Um, watching CBS? No, it's actually about models, T's. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
This is a little inception. He's sitting in a Model T watching network channels about Model Ts. Yeah, I feel like that's just as good of a guess as I could put up. All right, that works. So, now that you all have a ridiculous image in your head, hopefully you will remember Triple Network Model. The inspiration for this one is actually pretty recent. I uh, had actually just finished up my thesis uh, this week, I guess, a couple days ago. I finished up the last bit of writing, defended it last Wednesday. So all that was really exciting. And at the final push of this thesis composition, my undergraduate thesis composition, I came across this triple network model of describing brain functionality. And when I came across it, I was like, this stuff is awesome. <laughs> like, this is really fascinating. It's really interesting. It's kind of a consolidated and mathematically determined expression of a lot of the things that we have seen anatomically from past studies and case studies and all that sort of stuff. And so I was like, this is this is really cool. This is the kind of thing that we should present on a podcast because it's also the kind of thing that you can't really find if you're a non-science person, as was proven by your efforts to do so. Everything that came up had a daggum abstract to begin with. <laughs> That's a bad sign. It's a bad start. Because I typically can't even understand the abstract. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and that's kind of what I assumed would be the case, because I had never heard of it before. And if you, I guess if you are just a casual consumer of science literature or news or whatever have you, coming across the triple network model will be just like a, a learning another language, essentially. But the... The interesting thing to me is that, A, this triple network model explains a lot about the way our brain works, and B, it's actually pretty simple. It's only three three parts, which is however many we always present in anyway. So it seemed perfect to me. Three channels. Three channels, that's right. So I was thinking about that, and I was like, all right, let's, uh, let's do a podcast on it. I simultaneously realized that it might be tricky to do so because there's not really any accessible information on this model and this kind of this theory. Like you said, everything you found had abstracts to it. So I wanted to maybe break it down a little bit. The best way I thought to do that was to explain how this model and this theory came to exist and then explain what it is. And I think that method will make more sense after we do it. So. You read a series of words at the very beginning. Did you recognize any of them? I recognize all of them. That's good. That's actually really good. Do you have any uh, knowledge recognition of any of them? That's the next question. I know the hippocampus is in the brain, and so is the parietal lobe, <laughs> so is the prefrontal cortex. Okay. I'm not too sure about the amygdala. It's also, it's also in the brain. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the MRI and the PET are x-ray scan thingies. Yeah, types of imaging systems. Um, the other two are also, as you pronounce them, the fMRI and the dMRI. Yeah. Which is fMRI and dMRI. But the F and the D are lowercase. They so are lowercase. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you're right. Those four names are brain structures, and the four acronyms are imaging systems. So 
we uh, we actually talked about all four of those brain structures way back in episode three, I think, when we did a neuroanatomy crash course. And we talked a little bit about what each of those does. The, the interesting thing about this triple network model is that it, it takes what have been years of study and kind of conclusions, case studies, you know, lesions, strokes, effects of those behaviorally. It takes everything we've observed and it looks at it from an imaging perspective. And that's where the, the imaging comes in is, is really interesting. So in the past, we've taken those parts that I wrote down, amygdala, hippocampus, parietal lobe, prefrontal cortex, and we've kind of described them individually. We've said the amygdala does this. It has some connections and areas like with, you know, it has projections to other areas. It's really closely associated with the hippocampal formation of memory, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, we really isolated the amygdala and said it does this. And we did all of that with, with kind of all of these parts. As time has gone on, obviously, as you would expect, our understanding of these has become more complex. But still, at the end of the day, a lot of what we see in popular literature, even some textbooks, is X does Y. The triple network model was super interesting to me because it really connected all of these things together and said X, Y, and Z perform A, B, and C, which is really complicated when you get down to the nitty gritty, but the, the broad scale is actually pretty simple. That's what we're going to hope to explain. But getting there first involves these imaging techniques. We could do, and actually it would be kind of interesting to do, an episode on how each of these imaging techniques works. Because as you noted, they all have MR, or not all of them, but three of the four that are you know crucial have MRI in them, which is magnetic resonance imaging. I'm 99% sure on that. And I've done this before on episode two where I forgot what it was. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but anyway, so MRI, and there are different forms and, and uses of MRI, but all of them are, they fall under that imaging style. So anyway, we could do a whole podcast on that. But the point being here is that we began to do this, these types of imaging, looking at blood usage or, or blood flow, uh, glucose usage, water diffusion, all of these things within the brain and they each reveal different aspects of how the brain functions. Are you following so far? Yeah. I, okay. just, I just got quickly distracted. <laughs> I was looking up DMRI, and apparently there's a... Is that a, a stock? Yeah, it's a stock. It's, it's... <laughs> Already? Yeah, it's not doing great. Transamerica ET. Wow, yeah. It's fallen, man. Alrighty. But back to science. <laughs> so you're following that each of these reveals different components of how the brain functions. Yeah. Simple concept. What's interesting is that as the options, the list of options grew of how we could image the brain, functionally speaking. So it's not just an x-ray where it takes a picture and it's a still picture. It's it's a, you know, a functional image of, of you. Maybe you're thinking of something or maybe you're performing a task, so on and so forth. And it scans your brain while you're doing that. It, it, what we did is kind of took all of these data points from you know various functioning imaging, functional imaging, and we ran them through diagnostic models, computational models, 
I get pretty lost in this stuff because I don't understand all the math behind it. But I know that they use mathematical computational models to kind of eliminate connections that particular regions of the brain had at particular moments of functionality and behavior. Does this make sense? So you would get whoever's being scanned to do a certain thing during the scan? Yep. And then you'd be able to specifically see what that's going exactly what's going on yeah. in the brain you could take those data and analyze them all together and see what the connections are both you know quantitatively through the data output you can also see it qualitatively while you're watching but it's sometimes it's hard to it's hard to just describe things qualitatively um, having that quantitative component really vo- you know validates the, the findings that you have and that's what we were able to do with these kind of advanced mathematical models in the last five to ten years. Wait, so what's an example? You'd be, so say I am getting uh, scanned and we need to activate something. Would I just, for example, think about all the fruit I've been eating? <laughs> yeah, that, then, that actually could be an example. Uh, that example would probably fall under... I guess episodic memory where you're trying to recall something that has occurred. Another example could be, you know, think of all the places in which you've eaten this fruit. And that would be more of a spatial episodic memory. You're trying to think of the, the surroundings when that happened. You could also do puzzles, you could do tasks, you could think of friends, loved ones. There's a huge range of things they'll ask you to do with the goal of trying to kind of figure out what's going on within the brain during these specific tasks. So all these imaging techniques began to grow, tons of new developments. Uh, in addition to qualitative analysis and studies, we began to divide and describe them quantitatively as well. And that has led us to the triple network model. We good up to there? Yeah. Cool. All makes sense. So triple network model falls under three categories. I will give you the official names. And then we'll kind of break down what each of them does as well, because I think describing them is a little easier for learning. So, because that's what we're hoping to do is to help facilitate the learning of difficult science. So if I'm talking to you about the central executive network and, you know, you're talking to your dad or your mom next week, you may just be like, well, the advanced part of your brain uses this type of thinking instead of, well, the central executive network does X, Y, and Z. Anyway, point being, we got three three networks. The salience network, which is abbreviated SN, the central executive network, your CEN, and your default mode network, your DMN. So your default mode network is kind of the oldest studied and the best described network that we have. And your default mode network is, is kind of... I don't know, it is what it is described as in essence. It's seen in these default moments of when you're, you're not necessarily doing a specific task. So uh, what kind of brain components do you think that would in- involve, Jacob? Uh, breathing. Interesting, okay. Walking. <laughs> All right, think, think even more advanced. So... So there's kind of roughly there's two two parts of your brain. This is very roughly because there's a lot more actually. But there's kind of the uh, the cortex, the cerebrum, um, and then there's also the I guess the cerebellum. 
so there's it's kind of old brain and new brain is is way you can think about it. So cortex is what we're talking about. And your cortex doesn't really control a lot of your baseline, you know, heart rate, uh, walking, balance sort of stuff. It can control those things. So it, it, you know, a lot of times if you're walking, you're, you know, you're balancing yourself, but you can also jump to the side or, you know, move your head or spin around or, or what have you. So there are cortical components to all of these systems. But at a fundamental level, we're, we're thinking about upper-level thought and complex things going on. So, I actually have an example for this, uh, what your default mode would, would be referring to. So I just went for a, a swim before we recorded this. And as you could imagine, with, with a swim or with a run or whatever it may be, you have a lot of just kind of downtime. And you're not... You don't have a specific task that you're doing. You know, once you, once you started your swim, you're kind of rolling. But there's a lot of time to think. You just kind of think to yourself. This is the concept of the default mode network. That it's your kind of baseline, complex, higher cognition and thought. Does that kind of make sense in the, the context of the cortex? Yeah. So for me... Yes. I've been thinking a lot, well, it's somewhat related to the things I'm working on, but I've been thinking a lot about um, free will and, and, and how limited or unlimited it is. I think that's where my mind wanders <laughs> these days. Okay, so that is, what you just said was a great description. So at first I was like, that might be a little different, but with the, the wandering concept, is kind of what default mode network is getting at that it's not necessarily it's not necessarily you know goal oriented tasks or specific things you're thinking about specific topics but it's kind of this default you know where your brain goes or you know the thoughts you just have it, it's hard to describe but it's the it is the idea of default it's it's kind of where your brain wanders there's a transition, though. So I think you mentioning your philosophy classes is a great example and a great segue into the central executive network. And this one kind of sounds fancy and it sounds like it has a lot of control. And because in a lot of ways it does. And the way I read it and the way I kind of think about it is that the higher cognition you have within your default mode, that, you know, the quote unquote wandering, like you said, with your brain, the central executive mode kind of builds on that. So at the moment where you transition from your brain is just kind of going along, doing its own thing, you know, perhaps thinking about random components or the day or, or whatever have you, and the, the, the second it transitions into I want to actively contemplate philosophy with the hopes of coming to a conclusion or the hopes of, you know, composing a paper or a presentation or something like that, that's when it transitions to your kind of that central executive network component of, you know, active cognitive output is what they describe, controlling your emotions, that sort of stuff. So those two are, are really connected. And what's really interesting to me is you can, you can sort of see the transition, the logical transition between those two components where your, your default, like, like you said, I really like that wandering description 
and then your central executive is you know building on that is you know going into more depth on specific topics specific outputs so the salient network what uh what do you think that has a role in that's our third one i don't know if i introduced it or not third one is the salient network does that have to do with salt yeah man there you go that's it you sprinkle a little salt on your brain and then everything just works I don't believe you. <laughs> no. So so I mentioned the the transition between your default mode and your central executive. And the salience network is is kind of seen as the mediator between these two. So the salience network controls, it modulates the switch between your central executive and your default mode. So does that make sense i guess well we'll catch up on that you following so far yeah okay cool so one example for you in the context of the salience network that is relevant for my thesis research and why i kind of ran across this article and this this model is that the salience network is detected to be up regulated uh highly active i guess is a better way of describing it in ptsd and that's thought to modulate the output of the default mode and central executive. And so when you have this hyperactivity of the, the salience network, which, which modulates the two of them and kind of dampens them in a way, uh, you end up having overexcited salience, which leads to underexcited central executive and default mode. Interestingly, with this paper, it came out last year in 2017. So the conclusions of how and why and what the effects of that are not quite as defined so I, I can't exactly tell you why that's happening or what it means but that gives you at least a little bit of an idea of the importance of the salience network that the salience control on your central executive and your default mode is really crucial to daily functioning and you know long-term functioning as well with your memories and how you interact with the world and your context. So it's it's a little bit under the radar is that it's it's not it's not quite as uh, interesting I suppose with you know the the salient or the sorry the central executive and the default involve these higher thoughts and involve you know specific cognitive output and emotions and all these kind of quote unquote fancy brain areas. The salience network is stuff that's a little bit more behind the scenes, a little more fundamental which to me that makes it even more interesting is you know how is it regulating these components that we see as making us human so salience network isn't going to be directly affecting your emotional output but it's it is critical to the modulation of that output so all that to say we have these three components that are really all working together especially the salient effect on central executive and default mode and I think that probably describes the triple network model. What do you think? If you tell me it is complete, I will say it is complete. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that, that is, at the end of the day, our triple network model. There are parts of the brain, you know, that you read earlier and that we kind of briefly mentioned that fall into each of these models. Um. I don't know if you want to go into them because then you really kind of get in the mud with all this stuff. 
But the prefrontal cortex is one that's worth mentioning, I think, um, because it's one that we talk about a lot. We've mentioned that with you know insurance companies and the prefrontal cortex not being mature until you're 25. My mom's mentioned it a bunch, you know, with um, you know she's always like, "My boys, you're you're not grown until you're 25. That's when your brains develop. <laughs> that all that kind of thing." So this is the one that people think about as controlling your emotions. And so to give you a little bit of context, the prefrontal cortex is actually seen to be part of both your default mode and your central executive. So that gives you a real idea of, in the past, you know how I described earlier, we used to say, all right, the prefrontal cortex does X, Y, and Z. But now it becomes a little bit more clear that different parts of the prefrontal cortex regulate different parts of what makes us human. And it's kind of similar to other areas of the brain as well. That's a pretty good example of an area that some people are familiar with. So, uh, But yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good description of the triple network model. And I think it's really interesting because this is, this is a, a fundamental model of how people have begun to explore neuroscience and, and how certain areas of the brain work together. But it's not one that people really talk about much in scientific literature or media or discoveries or what have you. Because it's not, I don't know, it's not as fun, I guess, quote unquote, fun, whatever that might mean. I don't know, it seems fun. It's like scientists are getting a little artsy. They're jumping into some photography. I think it's cool, man. I think it's cool. It's cool stuff. So let's give it a summary and call it a night. Yeah. Let's do it. It's late. It is. This is our latest recording. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so we got three things. Let's do it. The first thing. They're things, not things. I Yes, I took notice. <laughs> That's how I wrote it down. Uh, you have the default mode network. Yep. Uh, as you described my description of wandering, brain wanderings. I liked that description. Uh, so for, for me, I've been thinking about free will stuff there you go then we have central executive network that's that next step what do you do once you stop wandering and you you're more specifically uh seeking some sort of goal or actively pondering something yeah exactly Um, exactly for me it's actually as well somewhat related to my philosophy stuff but i'm actually trying to figure out a way to uh display this idea of well a few different ideas falling within the category of free will but display that in an artistic way oh yeah with your print yeah so i'm trying to make an image out of that and that would definitely be central executive and, and how do i get there i eat salt <laughs> that's right the, the salty network which is crucial to functioning. It's true. That's your. That's a direct quote. I typed it up as you said it. And I was like, that's good words. I'll use that. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of that baseline underlying component that regulates your two fancy components, I guess. Yeah, and you can, you can look at all this from sitting in a Model T and watch the scientists do a slideshow up on the, <laughs> on the projector. On their networks. Yep. But only three networks. Three things. Yeah, I think that's triple network model. And now you have a better understanding of how the brain works than 
A lot of people do. So, as we always say, go show off at dinner parties. I don't think anybody's going to be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Walk up. Nope. Hey, hey, buddy, guess what? Three things. Exactly. That's why it's a beautifully ironic statement. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all we got for tonight. So, if you want to send us a recommendation or some encouragement or just say, hey, we really do love that. And we've actually said that a few times. And I think now that we've begun to receive more, we... It is very much true. We love hearing from you. So be sure to send us an email at pbwithjays at gmail. Uh, gmail. Gmail. Uh, gmail.com. Do you want me to put my own personal email address so I can get mail too? Or are you going to let me have access to our you, email? You have access. We've just never directly discussed how you have access. But it's the same password as everything else we use. I don't know anything else we use, man. <laughs> um. Anyway, so... Jacob and I will both have access to that, and it will be on our phones. I thought it was set up on my phone, but it wasn't. Basically, we love getting it, but have been sometimes weird about checking. So long story short, send us some in. Uh, send us some, some suggestions or feedback. Check us out on Facebook. We're there. We pretty much post every time we, we post an episode, so that's good. We don't do as well about other stuff, but still have a good time with it. And they're on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review. It's always great. It's the way to kind of continue to grow and, and, you know, make connections. Um, And I think that's all we got, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll be the number, we'll be top five podcasts by the end of the year. It's just objectively false. But it's a great goal, so let's make it happen. (laughs) Have a great week. thought the when you first asked i thought the amygdala was that little thing that dangles in your throat (laughs) i don't even know what that's called to be honest but i wish it were called the amygdala because that would be cool there is part of the brain that dangles did you know that no it's called the pituitary gland some people will call it the master gland the master dangling gland it sticks out of this little bone part it's pretty cool, actually. I'm in a neuroanatomy lab now, and you can never see the pituitary because it sticks out of the bone, so it gets destroyed every time you extract the brain. Fun fact. But I don't know what the thing in your mouth is called. I think it starts with a G. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>